All right, good morning, church family. Welcome to Sunday morning uh, here at Christ Chapel. We're so glad that you're here. I know we've got some people, uh, they must be trickling in because uh, I'm sure they're doing some last-minute touch-ups on their grill and marinating and everything else. And so people are trickling in, but we're going to go ahead and get started. I'm thrilled that you're here. My name is Drew, and uh, I just believe that today's going to be an incredible day. And uh, with our church service and then afterwards, you're going to be able to spend some great time with your family relaxing. Let me tell you how we're going to start today off. If you were here with us last week, we were able to celebrate with some of our graduating seniors. And, and I was telling somebody just recently that, uh, that one of the challenges of, of a church like this, where, just where we're located, is we pull from multiple districts. Uh, so we pull from, uh, from Jones County, from, from Bibb County, from Monroe County, and all the private schools. And so trying to coordinate and celebrate all of our graduating seniors at times is a little bit tough because we've got so many people. And so even though we uh, celebrated with some last week, we've got one that just graduated this week from Jones County that we are going to celebrate today and make sure to honor her. And so would you please welcome to the stage another one of our 2016 graduates, Miss Elaine Slayton and her mom, Miss Serena. Come on up. Now, first of all, I just want to bring a little bit of honor where honors do. Uh, if you have a pre-K child, uh, if you've had a pre-K child at least in the last five to seven years, Miss Rena, you may not recognize this face, but Miss Rena is, is pretty much every Sunday upstairs loving on your babies with Mr. Tommy, and she does a wonderful job. I, oh, yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. And I know we've got so many people who serve, but... Just because she's on the stage, I'm going to recognize her. But we're also going to talk about Elena. Elena, this is Miss Rena's daughter. She graduated from, um, uh, from Jones County High School. And just talking to her a little bit beforehand, she just mentioned that uh, some of her dreams, she's been accepted into Wesleyan College. And, uh, oh, yeah. Woo! Now, you got to tell me one more time. What is that you, I, I know you told me, you're studying something along with children's play or something like that. What, what is it that you're studying? Okay, she's a play therapist. And, uh, and I got you, so it's more psychology, so it could be any age. So basically, you help people do better by playing. Okay, I'm going to say, hey, I'll be your first client. I'm all, I'm all for that. Yes, please. <laughs> we'll take that. Well, hey, I just want to say just real quick and just speak in the, into your life a little bit and just uh, some of the things that I, sh I just shared with our graduating seniors last year, or I'm sorry, last week, is, um, is that, you know, you've got incredible potential inside of you. This is just the beginning for you. It really is, and as great as high school is, uh, and as great as, the, as what God has done through you up until this point, in so many ways now as we turn the page, it's just a new beginning for you, and, uh, and he's got just incredible dreams and plans for you, and, uh, and as you just build on a brand new foundation for your life as you start Wesleyan, uh, my prayer for you is that God would just bless you with great friends and would quicken your mind. Uh, to, uh, to just learn what you need to learn. And, and uh, I know a mama's perspective that, that, you know, that you'll get done quickly and uh, everything else. And so um, I'm just, I couldn't be more thrilled for you, Elaine. I mean it. Uh, would, uh, church family, would you do me one favor? Just stretch out your hands. We're just going to uh, pray for Elaine real quick and, uh, and just bless her before we start. God, I just thank you so much for Elaine, and I just thank you for her life. And I thank you, God, that just as you celebrate with us, God, you celebrate with her and you celebrate the accomplishments that she has earned. God, I thank you for her hard work and I thank you for her dedication. And God, as she goes into this next chapter of her life, God, I just ask that you would just go before her and prepare a path 
prepare a, a path socially and emotionally and God, financially, God, every bit of it that you would prepare a path for her. Uh, God, your word says that our steps are ordered and directed of you. And God, I just bless her coming and her going. God, I bless her friendships. God, I bless her relationship with her professors. God, that you just give her incredible favor there. And God, that she would continue, uh, God, to learn and grow according to your will. And we thank you for it in your name. Amen. Church family, would you give just one more round of applause to the lame? And we do have a gift for you as well. All right. We love you. We love you, girl. I mean it. All right. Would you go ahead and stand with us as we worship this morning? Good morning. Ben's out of town, so you got us today. Um, there's not a ton of us, but we're going to worship him just the same. So. is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of
Just what to do, yeah. And I will love you, Lord, my strength. I will love you, Lord, my shield. I will love you, Lord, my friend. Forever, all my days, I will love you. Hallelujah. 
accomplished a lot of things that didn't go, as they uh, often do. A lot of things didn't go well technologically, personnel-wise. Um, so um, I, I don't want to belittle the, the value of really preparing something for God and, and absolutely giving him the best that you can. I don't want to belittle that because there's so much value um, in preparation um, for something like this um, and, and bringing um, to the best of our ability something perfect before God. Uh, but sometimes you get so focused on that that your perspective gets twisted and you start trying to fill your own cup instead of offering it to God to fill. Um, I think so many times um, in worship and with everything in, in our lives, we get so concerned um, with our standards that we try to fill our own cups when we should be bringing those to the altar for God to fill. When we try to work ourselves up instead of letting God do work in us. Um, so we've got a new one today. Um, and. It just sings about, for lack of a better word, letting God do the work. Um, we can't do anything ourselves to, to deserve um, the work that he does in us. We can't do anything ourselves to earn it. Um, we can prepare. Um, we can bring him our best. But God has to fill our cups. We cannot fill it ourselves. Precious 
I don't know how I'm going to follow that. Um, I think it's so true, though, is that so often we concern ourselves with trying to bring God something, but as a loving father, he wants us to bring ourselves. I've got two children of my own, and there are times that as a father, I just, I want to provide for them. I want to be there for them. If they come up with a need, I want to be the one and say, let me fulfill that need for you. Yes, our God is God, and yes, he is holy, and yes, he should be approached with reverence, but the truth is, is that the Bible over and over and over again refers to God as our Father, which means we can approach him, and he's personable. So I don't know where you are today. I'm going to tail off of what Matthew said, is that maybe um, as we transition to the next part of our service or whatever you need, I would just encourage you to bring your cup today. 
Forgive the fact that it's not filled and that you couldn't fill it on your own. Bring it to him and let him fill it today. So God, we just thank you so much for this time. We thank you for this day, God. We thank you that um, for every little bitty thing, such as just the sun shines out, God. Lord, your word says that the heavens and the earth tell of the glory of God. And I'm just thankful for a father that reminds me in little ways and in big ways that you are here because you love me and that you sent your son so that every day I could have my cup filled. We thank you for it, God, in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, could I just give a little bit of honor where honors do? Um, can we just give Matthew Hunt and kind of Alyssa and the entire band just kind of just an applause today? Again, welcome to Christ Chapel. I'm so glad that you're here. We are going to transition to our next part of the service. And so if you'll just take a couple of moments, greet others the, around you, uh, high five them, tell them what you got on the grill, and, uh, and tell them what you're going to give me that's in the crock pot. You better.
morning, church family. Good morning and welcome to Christ Chapel on this beautiful weekend. Are you enjoying your long weekend? We've got people out of school already. We've had a ton of graduations, which is super exciting. And if you're in Monroe County like myself, we have four more days, four more days of school. So we're excited. We are so glad that you chose to worship with us today here at Christ Chapel. My name is Kim, and I had the honor of serving for several years on staff here. And I um, still do as much for the youth and stuff as I ever have before, probably. But we just want to welcome you to church today. We hope you got a connect guide as you came in. Um, our pastor, John, and his beautiful wife, Kelly, and their kids, they are away at the beach. They take a few weeks during the summer months um, just to rejuvenate and rest and have time. And so um, I know Drew got a text from them yesterday, and he will be back speaking on June 12th. And so we look forward to him being back, but I'm partial to today's speaker. I mean, you got the best-looking speaker alive today. And so um, we are glad, though, that you are here with us today. And if you would... Yeah, let me whisper that in the microphone. Um, if you will, focus on the announcements. As summer is here, especially if you are visiting with us, I just want to just give you a heads up on what we plan during the summer. You may notice that a lot of our regular scheduled activities, such as Sunday school and Wednesday nights, have been canceled for the semester. We do this to give our volunteers a chance to spend time with their family, to go on vacation, to rest, relax, and recharge uh, over this semester. So that way, when the school semester hits, we're ready to hit the ball running. So again, uh, just a reminder that as of right now, our corporate prayer on Sunday nights, Sunday school, our, some of our small group activities, as well as our Wednesday nights, we're just taking a short break, but I promise in a couple of short months, we are going to kick them back off. Can't wait for the next semester. For all of my Echo teens, uh, both my middle schoolers and my high schoolers, uh, we've got mission trips coming up the first two weeks of June for my high school students. Please come see me if you've got any questions as we just uh, head into that final stretch leading up to us going to Puerto Rico. For my middle school students, next Sunday, yes, we're that close. Next Sunday, we will leave the church at 1.30. So as soon as church is over, Go grab something to eat and come back at 1.30. We're going to load up and head to Savannah. If you've got any questions at all or if you need to pay any balances, come see me right after church as well. And I can't wait to start off our summer right with Echo Gives Back. To all the men here at Christ Chapel, Tuesday morning, June 7th at 6.30 a.m., you're invited to a men's morning Bible study. That's at 6.30 a.m. on June 7th, and that's Tuesday morning. Uh, grab breakfast before or go hang out with some guys afterwards for breakfast, but you're invited to that June 7th, Tuesday morning, 6.30 a.m. And Pat Girls, if you have registered for Girls Retreat with Beth White, please meet me here at the church at 9 a.m. Thursday, June the 9th, and visit our Christ Chapel Facebook page for our packing list. We're going to be having a glow party, so looking forward to it. Don't forget to visit us at ChristChapelMacon.com and Facebook and Instagram at ChristChapelMacon. Um, at this time, we're going to take our offering up a little bit different today. The ushers are going to bring the baskets up, and if you would, if you um, would bring your tithes and offering to the baskets.
Fantastic. All right, let me pray for us. I just want everybody to know, I love everybody, even when we have awkward Sundays, I love everybody. I'm just going to go ahead and dress the elephant in the room. I love everybody, except for one. Let's pray. God, I just thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much, God, for a church that gives willingly. And God, I just ask right now, Lord, that you uh, would bless both the, give and the, uh, the gift and the giver. God, and turn these resources into changed lives. God, we thank you so much for today, even the awkward ones. Amen. All right. <laughs> Hey, uh, before we transition into just our, our, uh, the message that guys, I feel like God's given me today, let me just touch on one semi-serious point. Um, uh, uh, as most of you know, and probably just due to our low crowds today and everything else, uh, this is Memorial Day weekend. And uh, tomorrow, our nation and our country celebrates uh, Memorial Day. And uh, that is a day set aside. We've got so many people that serve in our military and overseas. And uh, we have days like, they, like, like that, such as Veterans Day, that we really just honor them. Uh, but today is a special day, I'm sorry, tomorrow is a special day set aside uh, for those men and women who served our country and didn't make it home. Uh, and they paid the ultimate sacrifice for our freedoms. And, and yes, I know uh, that, uh, that, that the USA that, that we have now is, is a little bit different than maybe even the one that we grew up in. And uh, we face a ton of challenges and a ton of obstacles. Um, but regardless of how you feel about those things, there still is a point where we must give honor to where honor is due. And uh, we must honor those people who paid the ultimate sacrifice so that I can have my freedoms. There's still countries today that I cannot stand up like I'm doing right now. Talk about, my, talk about what I believe and, uh, and share my religious views and not have someone come in and take me away. <laughs> and uh, we have those freedoms right now because there were people who served and I uh, paid the ultimate sacrifice. And, uh, and so maybe there are family members here today who, uh, who, you've, who, who you were related and, and you know someone uh, who, who did not make it home. And so today we honor you. Uh, it's more about, more than grilling hamburgers and steaks and enjoying time at the pool. Um, I, I would like, I think it'd be appropriate for us just to take a moment and, uh, and let's honor those people as well. So here's what I'd like to do. Before I transition, if we could just take maybe 10 or 15 seconds and let's just have a moment of silence uh, for those people who served our country and didn't make it home. Let's do that now. All right, thank you. If you're going to turn in your Bible, please, to Genesis chapter 39. Genesis chapter 39. If you are new with us, uh, we are continuing just uh, kind of chugging right along on a series about a character in the Bible called the life of Joseph, who I've just found fascinating. And, and truthfully, here's where Joseph has a parallel with maybe some of us. Is I was talking to someone right before church today, and um, Joseph, one of the biggest themes of his life uh, was, uh, was how he just dealt with disappointment after disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. And so we've been going through... Um, uh, kind of uh, a message by message and really just uh, talking about the, the various disappointments that he dealt with and more importantly how we dealt with them because I don't know about you but my life it just seems like I deal with disappointments uh, disappointments like we've talked about with people or circumstances or or uh, at, at times disappointment with myself 
And, uh, and, and the truth is, there's so much truth in the story of this character about how he dealt with the disappointments and how God brought him through. And so today, we're going to be continuing on in that series, and I'm excited to share about what God has for us, because today, we are going to be talking about the disappointment Woo, of doing the right thing. And you're thinking to yourself, what in the world are you talking about? How can there be disappointment in doing the right thing? Well, let's read, uh, starting in verse 6, all the way through 20. And we're going to talk about how Joseph did the right thing. And even though he did that, disappointment came out of it. Let's read. So Potiphar, starting with verse 6. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was well built and handsome, and after a while his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am, and my master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. One day he went to the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants were inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. That's a woman scorn for you. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him the story. That Hebrew slave you brought us came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. I want you to see this. Joseph did the right thing. But in verse 20, Joseph's master took him and put him in prison. The place where the king's prisoners we're confined. Let me pray one more time for this message and we'll continue. God, I just thank you that your word shows us characters that go through so many things, God. Lord, that every character in some way, shape, form, or fashion, God, is relatable to our lives. And I thank you for setting that example for us. And today, God, as I, as I speak, I pray that more than anything, you would encourage people. And I ask, God, that you would just continue, God, to, to speak through me. And uh, God, um, I pray that people would walk away today with a sense of hope and, uh, and what you're doing in their lives. In your name, amen. Amen. Um, how many people here, let me just start off with a question. How many people here, uh, especially the parents, have more than one child? Uh, uh, can, can I get the multiple child parents uh, to, to raise their hands? Yes. Uh, uh, what I'm about to tell you, you are about to go... Oh, you, you are, you're about to identify with exactly what I am talking to you about. And here's the truth. The, the, the truth is this, is that um, along, with my parent, along with being a parent and along with having to do a lot of things, you know, I mean, there's two different sets of personalities or three different sets of personalities. Uh, there's all kind of people uh, or, or different kind of uh, ways that we have to treat them. We've got to train them up, uh, train them up differently. Um, we love them both the same, uh, but how we treat them to raise them up is completely different. And 
but one of the biggest frustrations and challenges, and maybe you can identify with this, that I feel with having two kids. I've got a little girl, uh, eight years old, named Madison, and a six-year-old son named Davis. And one of the biggest things, um, challenges that I have with them is that they have this incredible sense of justice, especially when it comes to each other, because if they sense in any way that Kim or I are treating one of them different and more favorably than another one, they instantly throw their hand up and say, that is not fair. And how to calm that down is, oh my gosh, is so hard. A couple of nights ago, um, literally me and Madison and Davis, we were going through our kind of late night routine that we normally do is after dinner, they get their baths and showers. And then before they go to bed, they say, hey, daddy, will you play Wii U with us? Well, of course I will. And I let one choose one game, one choose the other. And so Davis had chose his favorite game, which was Mario Kart. And uh, if you've never played that game, there is something therapeutic about shooting a red turtle shell at someone else and blowing up their Mario Kart. It makes you feel so great inside. It really does. I can't explain it. You should try it. So we're playing Davis's game. We're playing Mario Kart. Of course, Daddy's winning. Ha <laughs> ha. Right? You know, I mean, yes, there are other areas where I build up my child's confidence and I let them win. Uh, but when it comes to Mario Kart, oh no. They got to earn it. Um, so we're playing, and, and uh, this was Thursday night, and my wife, she came up, and, and Maddie hadn't chosen her game yet. We were still playing the, the game Davis wanted to play. And Kim says, y'all, I hate to tell you this, but I've got field day tomorrow with my class. It's just been a long week. I am tired. And so I said, you know what, Maddie and Davis, hey, let, let's, I know we're done with Mario Kart. We haven't played Maddie's game yet. Let's just go ahead and go to bed. You know, uh, well, well, Maddie, I'm sorry, baby, or whatever. And literally, she looks at me, and I could almost see the tears almost coming out her face. And she was like, Daddy, that is no fair. We played Davis's game, but we didn't get to play mine. And so instantly, I begin to Rolodex mentally, how can I make this fair uh, 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 to Madison? I say, cool, baby. Well, I know that Davis chose the game, but you get to choose the stuffed animals that sleep with y'all at night. How about that? And she goes, that's fair. And she moves on. Crisis averted. It was a couple weeks before that. Um, Madison, uh, we were doing family movie night. And Madison wanted to watch Disney's Monsters University. Cool. Davis wanted to watch Disney's Cars, uh, Cars 2. Awesome. Daddy, but I want to watch my game. I want to watch my movie. I want to watch this. Let me watch that. So how do I make sure... Uh, uh, to, to make this fair for them, for their sense of justice. So like any good dad, I know which child is going to fall asleep first. And I know that child is Davis. So I said, you know what, Davis, let's watch Cars 2. Maddie instantly looks at me. She goes, but, and I pulled her aside. I said, baby, as soon as he falls asleep, we're going to watch your movie. Okay, awesome. It was even a couple of weeks before then it's morning time. Babies, what do you want? What do you want for breakfast? I want cereal. Cool. What cereal do you want? Davis goes, I want Lucky Charms. Cool. I can do that, buddy. Maddie goes, Daddy, I think I want Lucky Charms too. Awesome. I can do that, baby. I go and grab the box of Lucky Charms. I pour it in a bowl. I realize I got enough Lucky Charms for one bowl. But Daddy, I asked first. But Daddy, you did what they wanted to do last time. If you give it to her and not to me, it's not fair. And so just like any dad, this is how I solve this because, you know, I want to make sure it's solved in a, in a good and correct and 
fair way. So I looked at him. I said, I will not make the decision. You must do paper, rock, scissors, and the winner gets the lucky charms. Best two out of three. And they thought about it and they said, okay. And all of a sudden I said, hey, make sure the rules is this one, two, three, then shoot, okay? And, uh, and Davis won. And, uh, and so I said, Maddie, I'm sorry, baby. I didn't make the call. You should have chose better. And, uh, and we moved on from there. But it's so funny because I look at my kids and as a father, this whole sense of justice, this whole sense of it's got to be fair, and if it is not fair, if the decision that you're making uh, that impacts my life, Dad, is not fair, I'm going to let you know verbally that it is not fair. Because a child has this overwhelming sense that life should be fair. I wish I could tell you that as we get older, this overwhelming sense that life should be fair changes because we mature, and the truth is it doesn't. As human beings, we have this absolute desire for our life to be fair. I really and truly believe that we don't have a hard time going through rough times. We don't have a problem when life gets tough as long as in our decision matrix, as long as when it filters through our sense of fairness, we can say, you know what, this makes sense, it's fair. But maybe you're going through this now, maybe you've gone through this, maybe this is on the horizon for you, but it is incredibly hard for us when we go through times and we go through situations and when circumstances in life come our way and when we look at it objectively, we say, that is not fair. It's not right. That's what makes this story so hard to, to, uh, to, 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 to take in. Because here's Joseph, and Joseph did what was right. He did the right thing. His master's wife, while, while the master was away, while Potiphar was away, he um, the, the uh, Potiphar's wife came to Joseph and said, sleep with me. And Joseph had the integrity to do the right thing. And he said no, even to the point of running away. Now we would think that because he did the right thing to make sure that this is fair, that because he did the right thing, the right thing should come his way, right? That he should go on about his life, that God would bless him and say, you're great, this is awesome, that increase would come to his life, that nothing bad would happen. But when we see a story like this, and Joseph did the right thing, and because he did the right thing, he got thrown in jail and lied about. It's so easy for us to look at this, and that human nature comes out and says, that is not fair. Maybe there are people here today who just like Joseph, you are going through, you've either made some decisions or you are about to make some decisions and you know that the direct result of you doing the right thing will end up with you not being treated so well and you're wrestling with that. Maybe there are people here today who maybe recently you've made the right decision, you know it was the right decision, but it cost you something. You treated somebody right and they didn't treat you right back. 
you made decisions to do the right thing, and life came back at you and almost punished you, it seems like, for doing the right thing. Maybe you've got some decisions to make that you're wrestling with that you know, you know if you do what's right, what's going to come after it is not going to be fun. And the biggest thing you're wrestling with isn't the decision to do the right thing, but the biggest holdup is, because you know what the right thing is, the biggest holdup is, I know if I do the right thing, it's going to cost me. There is a disappointment that comes in life when we do the right thing and it still harms us. The story of Joseph is here to encourage us today. And I don't know what your background is on this Memorial Day weekend. Maybe you've been in church all your life. You've heard this story a thousand times, and it's going to be a refresher and encouragement to you. Maybe there are people here today who you've been away from church, and for whatever reason, it makes no sense. On a Memorial Day weekend, you decide instead of going to the lake, you know what, let me at least go to church today. But you're facing decisions. Maybe you're, maybe you're walking close with, with, uh, with God. Maybe you're not. But the universal truth is, is that when we make decisions, the right ones that cost us, man, when we turn around and the result of that is pain and suffering, that's hard. So let's look at Joseph because just like us, Joseph made the right call. When he chose not to sleep with another man's wife, you know the first thing he did, and maybe you can relate to some of these, the first thing that he did as far as his right decision, he made the right decision when no one else was looking. There wasn't an audience. She didn't come to him and say, hey, come sleep with me with other people around. Potiphar wasn't around. And don't you know that Joseph was tempted with this whole idea of, you know what, if I sleep with this woman, no one else will know because it's just between me and her. Maybe there are people here today who you, are, you, you, you feel that temptation. You've got a decision to make, and you know what's right. But because there's nobody else around, there's nobody looking, that temptation comes and tells you and whispers in your ear and says, nobody's looking, you don't have to do what's right. No one will ever find out. But more than even just that, you realize that Joseph made his decision, the right decision to protect someone else? If you look at the story when Potiphar's wife came and, and said, Joseph, sleep with me, one of his first responses was, how can I do that to my master? Joseph just didn't make that decision for himself. He did the right decision to protect someone else because he knew that if he did sleep with her, it would eventually come out. And then don't you know that everybody in that household, everybody in that city, everybody in that community would look at Potiphar for the rest of his life and say, look at that dude. Look at him. He trusted one of his slaves with his entire household. And he ended up taking his wife. He would have been the butt of jokes for the rest of his life. So Joseph not only made that decision for himself, but he said, you know what, I can't do that to Potiphar. Potiphar's been good to me. Maybe there are people here today who some of the decisions that you are facing, you're gonna do the right thing to protect someone else, not just you. But more than just even that, if we look at it even further, you know one of the things that Joseph resisted? He resisted the temptation to have it all. One of the things that he told Potiphar's wife, if you go back in the story, he said, 
My master has withheld nothing from me except for you. How many times have we, has it become apparent that we live in a society and we live in just in, in, in our life and sometimes it can even be human nature. Why can't I have it all? Why, ha you know, I've got all these things, but there's one thing I don't have. Why can't I have it all? You realize that by Joseph saying, I've got all these things, but my master's withheld you and I'm not going to have you? Do you realize that Joseph had to realize, wait a minute, I'm going to be grateful for the 99 things that I do have, not for the one thing that I don't? And that flies counterculture to what we believe. That flies counterculture to what we've been told as a society at times, isn't it? Because we've been told, hey, don't be grateful for the things that you do have. Max out your credit card for the things that you don't. Hey, you can really have it all. There's going to be a hidden cost involved, but know this, you can have it all. And that lie has destroyed so many people and families. Joseph did the right thing by saying, you know what, I'm going to be grateful and focus on what I do have and not set my eyes on what I don't. Sometimes doing the right thing means saying, no, I will not continue to take things into my life. But even more than that, do you realize that Joseph doing the right thing meant that he didn't bow down and he didn't give in to his circumstances and his past? Let's not forget how Joseph got there in the first place. Joseph got there because his brothers got mad at him, threw him in a well, sold him into slavery. How easy would it have been for Joseph to say, you know what, I'm nothing but a slave. You know what, life's been tough to me. You know what, there's been some things in my life that haven't been fair. I shouldn't even be here. How I got here was wrong. So who cares what I do and who cares how I treat myself? We do that all the time, don't we? We face that temptation all the time. It's so easy to look at our environment that's around us and look at our past and for that to be the, re for that, and for that to be the excuse as to why we're about to do the wrong thing that we're about to do. And Joseph had the integrity. He, didn't, he, he wasn't concerned about his past. He wasn't concerned about the injustices that got him there. He wasn't concerned about how it was unfair. He still said, you know what, it doesn't matter what's happened to me. It doesn't matter what's going around me. I am going to do the right thing. And there's some people here who you've either made that decision good for you or you're facing that decision. Last thing about how Joseph did something that was right is he, is he fully aware, and he was fully aware that his decisions not only affected someone else, but it affected his relationship with God too. Because he said, he goes, I can't do that to my master, and I can't sin against my God. Even if nobody else would have known, even if they would have tried to keep it secret, he said, you know what, I will not do that. I believe there are people here today who you've either made those decisions or you're facing those decisions just like Joseph, he had a lot of reasons why he could have said no to doing the right thing, and he still said yes. But here's the part that on the surface doesn't seem fair. Maybe you're going through this. Not only did Joseph do the right thing, but it cost him. The right thing didn't happen to him. I want you to look at what he suffered 
all he did was make the decision to do the right thing and look at the negative things that came, that, that came to him. The first thing is that he actually lost reputation. Somebody, Potiphar's wife, lied on him. And there is no record that Joseph had the opportunity to defend himself. This right here is probably the thing that would bother me the most. Because I don't know about you, but I hate being misunderstood. I hate to know that someone could just judge an action from me and not know my heart. And so a lot of times I will spend my time trying to tell people my heart. Say, look, no, I didn't mean it that way. This, this is what it was. I try to defend myself. Joseph didn't even have that opportunity. Potiphar's wife lied on him. He got thrown in jail. He did not have the opportunity to say, wait a minute, let me tell you my side of the story. Some of you, one of the most disappointing things about you doing the right thing is that it cost you some reputation. And that's difficult, that's tough. See, another thing, more than just reputation, is that it actually cost Joseph conflict with someone that he loved. There had to be a good relationship for Joseph and Potiphar for Potiphar to entrust Joseph with everything in his household. And because Joseph did the right thing, someone that he respected and cared for, he was forced into conflict with. There are people here in this room, I believe just by odds, that one of the frustrations that you have done the right thing, you made the right decision, and even though you made the right decision, it cost you conflict-wise. And you are going back in your mind, and so you're saying, you know what, if I wouldn't have made the right decision, if I would have done the wrong thing, I still could have been in harmony with this person. I literally talked to someone yesterday, a good friend of mine I haven't seen in, in a while, and that's what she told me. She said, you know, something, God's, uh, 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 something that God is, is stretching and growing me in is this thing of, you know, as a friend, if people come to me to advi for advice, I truly give them in a loving way the right answer. She goes, but it's costing me because I had a friend who came to me for advice about a certain situation and I loved her enough to tell her the truth even though it was uncomfortable and now she won't speak to me. And I could just tell in her voice, she's like, you know, if I wouldn't have done that, I, I still could have had my friend. It's frustrating, it's disappointing, it's tough when by doing the right thing it costs you conflict with other people. I'm going to tell you where else it costs Joseph too and maybe there's some people here, it cost him his freedoms. You realize that before Joseph did the right thing in a reasonable way, he could go and do whatever he wanted to do. All he was, he was in charge of all the affairs of Potiphar's house. But it was up to him to choose how he did those and when. But by him doing the right thing, it threw him in jail where he could not do all the things that he wanted to do. He couldn't go where he wanted to go. He couldn't do what he wanted to do. And don't you know there was a part of him going, man, if I wouldn't have done the right thing, I could have been free. There's a reality, and there could be a disappointment that comes through our emotions, realizing that, you know, by doing the right thing, I can't necessarily do everything I want to do, when I want to do it, and with who I want to do it. There's a discipline that comes with that. There's a, there's a boxing in emotionally that can come with that, that can be frustrating and disappointing at times. I'm going to tell you something else that really cost Joseph by doing the right, the, the right thing. It cost him emotionally. It doesn't say it in the Bible, but don't you know once he got thrown in jail, 
don't you know that he, that he was stressed, disappointed, angry, lonely, mad? Don't you know that all of those emotions went through his heart and went through his mind? Don't you know that, that he probably had a lot of sleepless nights those first couple of nights in jail? Rolling through his head, if I just would have done the wrong thing, <laughs> I'd be happy. It's one of the hard things, I believe, that, that comes up when we do the right thing and it, costs, and it causes more stress, frustration, loneliness in our lives. That's tough. I am not up here saying that that's easy. I'll talk to people all the time and teenagers, adults, and everything else, and at times they'll come to me for relationship advice. You know, hey, Drew, I'm dating so-and-so or whatever. And, and, um, and, and ultimately, uh, not all, but a lot of my conversations with, with, with people about relationships come down to this. They know that they need to end it with so-and-so. But they also know that by doing the right thing and ending it, it's going to cost them emotionally up front because there's going to be stress, misunderstanding, loneliness, and I've literally seen people when it comes to relationships, this one little spear, they would rather stay with the person so that way they do not have to deal with the consequences of doing the right thing, and it's a short-term game. I believe there are people here who you know, I don't have to tell you, you don't have to come up to me after church today and tell me your story and for me to give you counsel on what to do. You don't. There are people here who you know what you've got to do. The thing holding you back is not what to do. The thing holding you back is you know. And I'm not saying it's easy. You know that by doing the right thing, that you're going to have to suffer with your emotions for a while. And just so you know, we're, we're going we're gonna, to, in a moment, we're going to go through how to deal with these things. So I promise I'm not going to leave you hanging with just that. Can I tell you the last thing that it cost Joseph by doing the right thing? I'm sure in that moment while he was in jail, he wasn't able to feel like he was going to be able to um, fulfill his destiny. See, the thing that we've learned about Joseph is, is that Joseph had a God-given destiny for his life that he was supposed to fulfill. He had dreams. He had visions for his life. And I'm sure in that moment that God, he was asking God, you know, God, if I wouldn't have done the right thing, if I would have done the wrong thing, I probably could have still been well on my way to fulfilling my destiny because how can I reach my dreams and my goals for my life? How can I do that in jail? Maybe there are people here today who, You've done the right thing. You've made the right decision, and you're looking up from a proverbial jail cell, and you're saying, how can I reach my, my dreams now? Well, let's talk about that. We've talked about what Joseph went through, but I believe that there was three lessons that Joseph gave us during this time about how he dealt with it, about how he dealt with the disappointment of doing something right. Because the truth is, there is nothing that we can change. There's nothing that we can do different to change the disappointment. The question is now, how can we deal with it? And if you're taking notes, I'm going to give you three quick things. 
Here's the first one. Joseph recognized that disappointment did not equal distance. Disappointment did not equal distance. So Joseph gets thrown in jail. You know what the very next verse in the story says? It says Joseph gets thrown in jail. In the very next verse, read your Bible, it says, and God was with him. Sometimes we want to believe that if God is with us, that he would prevent us from the pain and the suffering. And God never promised that. Jesus Christ, while he was teaching and preaching here on this earth, what he said was, he goes, in this world, you're going to have a lot of trouble. He didn't say if. He said you are going to have a lot of trouble here in this earth. He goes, but fear not because... I've overcome the world. I will walk with you is what Jesus was saying through all of it. Over and over again, Jesus would say uh, things like, but fear not because, because never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Never will you walk alone. Our hope, and maybe you're here today, you've done the right thing, and you're suffering the consequences of doing the right thing. Where we begin to draw hope and strength from is that even though we're suffering the consequences, even though it's not fair, even though every bit of our internal justice system is going, is going off saying, this isn't fair, this isn't right, God's still with you. There's a, there's a verse in Psalms that says this, it says that God is near to the brokenhearted. It doesn't have to be fair for God to still be there with you in it. Joseph was in jail in an absolutely frustrating circumstance. And God was still with him. If you can start there, you can leave today with a sense of hope. That God hasn't left you. Just because it's hard doesn't mean that he's forsaken you. Just because it's difficult doesn't mean that he's walked away from you. He's with you. And there's a great comfort of knowing that in the middle of my jail cell, in the middle of my consequences of doing the right thing, God's still there. So, even more so than, than that, uh, uh, number two. So number one is disappointment does not equal distance. Number two, choose the right problem. Number two is to choose the right problem. How you deal with this is to choose the right problem. You're thinking, Drew, what are you talking about, choosing the right problem? Well, it's simple. See, Joseph had a choice. When Potiphar's wife asked him to sleep with her, he had a choice. Because there's going to be problems. Joseph knew that. Joseph could have either taken a short-term view and said, you know what, yes, I will sleep with you. But making short-term view decisions will lead to long-term problems. So by Joseph, if he would have slept with her, even though in that moment he probably would not have had a whole lot of problems, long-term he would have had problems. What if he would have got her pregnant? How are you going to deal with that, Joseph? What happens when, not if, but what happens when Potiphar finds out? And it's confirmed. Maybe Potiphar would have done more than just throw him in jail. Maybe Potiphar would have killed him. What if it was an affair that had lasted for months and years and Potiphar found out? 
it could have cost Joseph his life. We know that Joseph suffered a loss of reputation. Could you imagine if he would have gone through with this? Nobody would have ever wanted Joseph to manage their kingdoms or their finances or their households even again because he would have had the reputation, well, yeah, he really does sleep with people. He'll take your wife. You better, you better be careful. See, Joseph realized that, you know what? In that jail cell, dealing with a short-term problem, even though he didn't have the solution, at least he had the peace of mind knowing, you know what? I don't have long-term problems. It is better for you to have short-term problems and not have anything to worry about long-term than to take a short-term view and have long-term problems. There is nothing worse than taking the easy road short-term and having to deal with huge, long-term, generational, impacting problems down the road. There are people here right now under the sound of my voice the temptation you feel right now is, you know what, if all I have to do is not do the right thing and my short-term problems will go away, I'm telling you, there will be long-term consequences for that. Better for you to take a long-term approach and to suffer short-term. And here's number three. How do you deal with these disappointments? Number one, again, is you realize that Disappointment does not equal distance. Number two, choose the right problem. But number three, learn from your leaders. Number three is learn from your leaders. Can, can I tell you why Joseph is so hard to relate to when I, hear, when I read this story? Because I know how it ends. I've read this story a thousand times in my life. And each time it never grips me, I never truly feel Joseph's pain because I know how it ends. I know that he interprets a dream for Pharaoh and Pharaoh uh, promotes him to number two in the land and Joseph at the end of his life, he rides off in the sunset and it's good. So it's hard for me to relate with Joseph right here because I know how it ends. But you know what, that's also incredible comfort for me to know that God did not leave Joseph by in that jail cell. And you know what? That's not just a one-time thing. I go through the pattern of the Bible, and I don't see where any moment, there's not one moment where God let any one of his people who were trying their best to serve him and walk with him, there's not one moment where he let them rot in a jail cell. He didn't do it. And so I look at leaders like that and I realize, wait a minute, I know the end of their story and God worked it out for their good. If he can do that for them, he can do that for me. And let's not forget the ultimate unfair. When I want to get on my proverbial pity horse and start crying about how nobody knows the trouble I've seen, I remember that there was a Savior, Jesus Christ, who did the right thing. Thing. He was sinless. He didn't do anything wrong. And he chose to come to this earth and walk amongst me and walk amongst people who rebelled against him. And Jesus Christ, if you look in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, had a choice to make toward the end of his life at a place called the Garden of Gethsemane. 
where Jesus had to deal with his unfair moment. And he told God, if you read it, he told God, God, Dad, if there's any way you can take this cup away from me, please do it. Because it's unfair. I don't want to have to die on a cross in a brutal way for these people. He said, but nevertheless, I'll still do it. And even in that moment, when Jesus died on the cross, unfair that my Savior should die for me, that he should die for my sins, that he should die for my wrongdoings so that I can have relationship with God, unfair. But even in that unfair moment for Jesus Christ, God the Father had a plan because after three days in that grave, he rose again. When I go through moments where I realize unfair, I go through the pattern of the Bible and for every single moment, every single time where one of God's people went through an unfair moment, in that moment it seemed unfair, but in the end, God allowed them to win. I don't know who's here today, but you need to understand because of Jesus Christ, and because of his sacrifice, that God the Father looks at your unfair moment and he says, how it looks now is not how it will end, if you will trust me. If I could get everyone, please, just to bow your heads for a moment of concentration and privacy. One of the, one of the areas that God is just challenging me as a, as a preacher and as a minister is to always ensure that there's an opportunity after every message for people to know Jesus because maybe there are people in here that are going, you know what, Drew, that sounds great. You know what, uh, um, uh, I'm, I'm here today, you're talking about Jesus and the ultimate unfair and everything else, but Drew, you have to understand is that I don't even know Jesus. How can I do the right thing and I don't even know Jesus? What, what makes it worth it? You talk about a Jesus who lived the ultimate unfair, but I don't know him. What I'm going to do is on the count of three, if you would like to know Jesus again, it's this simple. We're bad. God was good. We couldn't get to God. So God came up with a solution. He sent his son here on this earth who, who lived for 33 years a sinless life, died on a cross, so that through faith in him, we can be good. And we can have relationship with God our Father. If there's anyone here, all I'm going to ask you to do is when I come to you, just raise your hand and put it right back down. I want to know this, Jesus. I'm not going to bring you up to the front. I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to call you out. You're not going to go in some special room. It's just between you and God. Well, Drew, why, why do I need to raise my hand? Because I believe that when you respond externally to what's going on in on the inside, God sees it, it seals it in you. So who, is there anyone here today who you would say, Drew, I, I don't know this Jesus, but I want to. I want to have a reason I want to have a reason in my life to deal with the disappointments of life. On the count of three, number one, God loves you. Number two, he paid the price for your sins. Who is it? Number three, is there anyone? Slip the hand right back up and right back down. Thank you, God. I see that hand. I see that hand. You can put it down. So, Father God, we just thank you. And, God, as we close today. I just pray that you would encourage people as we just worship you to close out. God, I just ask that you would continue to move and encourage people, Father.
God, for the decisions that were made for you today, I just ask. I just ask that you would continue to continue to build in them a hope that you're with them, that you've never forsaken them. We just thank you, God, that you never leave us alone. And we thank you that even in the disappointment of doing the right thing, God, that you work it out in the end. We love you today. Would you stand as we worship? God, I look to you. I won't be over in your vision to see things like I do. God, I look to you. You're where my help comes from. Give me wisdom. You know just what to do.
So God, we just thank you that everything in our life is not final until you say it is. And God, as we leave today, God, I just bless everyone here. I pray they would just be encouraged, God. And I just ask that you would just keep us safe as we, as we spend some time with our family and friends and bring us back safe next week. And we love you, God, in your name. Amen. Hey, y'all have an incredible day. See ya.